Welcome back to part three. In this section, we talk about how the physical, mental, emotional and social factors impact on Paul's UFC performance and more importantly, on his results. We also finish with a quick fire round of three, which you do not want to miss. Firstly, we start with a scenario based question with features in the higher P exam. So a scenario based question that we teach during the National Five and Higher curriculum. So as you've experienced the, the physical, mental, social and emotional factors that impact on your performance, we want to find out about the emotional factor and in particular anger. Have you had any experiences where you've been overcome with anger during a fight and if so, what approaches did you manage to, to take to stick to the game plan? I think uh, anger is a is a horrible concept to use within a fight. Like, see, it build up so much rage that it clouds your judgment. Um, so, for I've ever for I've started MMA, as I say to you, to try and alleviate that emotion side of it. I think anger is a really really bad one to use. I think fear keeps us safe. If you're scared, then you've got something to lose. I think it's a very very good one. If you uh, are sad, I think it's a very, very good, but anger is just not one of these ones I tend to dip into. There is times where I'm, me and my coach have had, we, we, we need to have like um, bank calls, we need to have this sort of dialogue, me and him not agreeing with something. And there's times where I've been angry and I've been like, right, I just need to go. I need to take myself away from the situation because I think in these times where you're at this point of anger, you'll say, you'll do stuff that, isn't as well out of character. Um, ways I control that kind of these kind of emotions is stuff like meditation. I know it sounds a bit mental, but running mm-hmm. through yoga, doing some steady breathing. There's loads of different uh, breathing cycles out there that can help you. It also can help um, your aerobic capacity and your power development. All this kind of stuff. It's, it's, so breathing is one of these ones that I do it. With regards to emotion, emotions are massive, massive. Um, Thing as a fighter, we're very, very emotional, and I had I went down this route of self destruction uh, right at the start of this fight when I come off my first loss. I'd never experienced loss in my life, so I had lost my very first, my second fight in the UFC, first loss in my whole career, and it was detrimental to me because after after you've done a fight camp and I was in Vegas, so after the fight I'd been beaten. I then went out and celebrated with the people who'd come over and um, that's my gosh, he's, he's in the toilet. <laughs> you doing all right, kid? So I then <laughs> went out and celebrated with my friends and family who'd come over to, to watch me fight. And I'm having to put on a brave face because I've just lost, but I want them to see that I'm, I'm not weak. Mm-hmm. So I put on this brave face, we have some alcohol, worst thing you can do is don't, don't try and normal pain with alcohol. I then come back from Vegas and you're there on your own. There's nobody. There's nobody to talk to about this. So my coach goes back to his normal job. Like He's a coach, so he needs to coach other people getting ready for their fight. I also need to be there to support fighters for their next fight as well because they've supported me for my training camp. I need to help them. So there was nobody to talk to. And I felt felt so deflated. I'd never experienced loss. I didn't know how to deal with it. And I just kept dipping, 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 dipping. But you tell yourself you're fine and you're like, right, I'm just going to go into training, I'm just going to train hard and I'm just going to try and cover this up. Worst thing you can do, like, and it took me after that loss. So I'm at this point now, I've just come off this sort of 
first fight in UFC, win. Second point, I then come down because I lost. I'm, I'm flat here. I then lose again and get knocked out of my hometown, flat again. So, two losses, moving out of this third, third fight. Mentally, I wasn't there. Physically, I wasn't there. I was pushing my body, hitting all the right criteria, as I spoke about earlier. But if the mind's not wanting to play ball, then the body it doesn't matter. Mm. Um, and I started uh, speaking to a sports psychologist. Uh, great. I was under the illusion, like, we're going to speak about my feelings for it. It doesn't matter. I feel like this. I'll just get over it. Mm-hmm. Worst thing you can do, man, is like, there's, there's people who speak to, loads of loads of companies out there who offer sports, if that's the route that is for performance. But not only that, if you're just needing somebody to speak to, um, yep. my friend's an ambassador for Chrissy's House, who helped young uh, adults and older adults who are feeling a wee bit deflated to speak to them. And I think in this day and age, I think it's something that you need to do. You need to have somebody to, to bounce off and know that what you're feeling isn't that bad. Um, so as I said, I, I felt horrible coming off the two horses. I started working with a sports psychologist earlier and then he started putting things into place. He started putting more visualization, he started putting more goals in place. And even if mm-hmm. these goals are so small that it may be like, uh, wake up at six o'clock and complete a, your five mile run. Like, it's, it's easy, I can do that every day, but what it does, it gives you that sense of achieving something. So I achieved mm-hmm. that, starting off the day from then, get a good foot, get up, Paul, read a book, read 10 pages in a book, right, cool. I'm hitting all these goals. Emotionally, I'm feeling better. I'm feeling better. And then we start looking at the, the mental side of, how, how do you feel? The, why do you feel like that? The, right, what, what can we do to try and improve this? Because the, the line of, I feel be fine, doesn't cut it. Like for people who have went through grief, trauma, anything, loss of a family member, loss of a pet, whatever it is, the, I feel be fine, doesn't cut it. It's, it, you need to actually talk about this kind of stuff. And uh, mm-hmm. a lot of people speak about their emotions now and I'm like, I'm glad I can, like this is one of your questions because you need to speak to somebody, and as I said, the Chrissy's House, there's other organisations out there to, mm-hmm. to do, and it's it's private, it's confidential, and all you need is just to voice your opinion, and, and hopefully it makes Communi- you Communicate, better. isn't it? Just about exactly. communicate. Nine, um, it sounds as if, it's, it sounds as if you've it's got about, your fat, sorry, on you go. No, no, it's, it's about building this rapport with people as well. Um, it's, it's a great way. Some people don't want to speak to a family member. I couldn't speak to a family member. Like my dad, who is, I'm not saying I was not being a lawyer driver, but what I'm saying is he's a normal working class guy. He doesn't know what it's like to be up here and then down here. He probably does, but not in the same content that I. So I couldn't go and speak to my dad and be like, Dad, listen, I feel horrible. I don't know what it is. I just don't have any motivation. I needed somebody who, who was sports specific and was like, right, Paul, let's, let's try and do this. And as well, like it led, like he's been, he's been massive in my development in other areas as well. I had, I'm happy to speak with this. Um, so I had this fear of getting punched in an MMA, and <laughs> I had a fear of getting punched. But it wasn't the fear of the punch itself; it was the fear of me flinging my right hand. So when I was fighting, I was always front hand heavy, so left left hook, left punch, left uppercut. Right hand would very, very well come away from my face. And what it was is it's conditioning, like um, how you train a dog. If a dog does something well, you give him a treat. If a dog does something bad, you give him uh, like a negative reinforcement, be it like a, a whack with a paper or shouting at him or whatever it is. It's like Pavlovian conditioning. 
And I had conditioned myself that every time I flung this right hand, it resulted in me being hit. And it did. But then this then manifested as something in the back of my head where I can't fling this. And then I'll be like, I'm going to fling this, I'm going to fling this, I'm going to fling this. And because I was thinking about it too much, and then I was having this internal dialogue, it resulted in me flinging this really, really sloppy, resulting in me getting knocked out. So I had this, and it was negatively reinforced within my performance. Had to work with this uh, sports psychologist to then break these break this barrier down. And it was something as simple as watching people get knocked out. Like, he went away and he compiled all these fights of MMA guys getting knocked out, including myself. And he run through them and run through them and run through them until it became like just a normal feeling. Whereas when you watch this kind of stuff, there's an emotional connection for myself because it's happened to me. And then he sort of like dulled that pain and, and, and made it normal for me um, to try and condition me into knowing that this this will happen if I don't fling it. So I'm better flinging it with intent to hurting somebody and making sure my technique's crisp to prevent me from getting hit. So working with these guys is, like working with him is, is tremendous. Uh, and I know like, you need to have all these kind of things within the world of sport. If you want to be a professional, you need to have the support for every single body to make this to make this fighter complete or as best they complete as I possibly can be. No, so I, I like what you said about the strategies to overcome the, the emotions that you face, like the meditation, yoga, mm. deep breathing, um, and then looking at the goal setting side of things and the visualization. So you round off a good few of them. That's the stuff that we like to teach the. The kids mm-hmm. and their and their children. I think visualization's the I think visualization's the big one at the moment. Like for yep. me to visualize what I'm doing. Um even when I'm running, I'm visualizing what it is I'm I'm training for. So why am I doing this? Like I've not got a fight at this precise moment. I'm hoping to get a fight, but I'm still dry I'm still driven and I'm still using visualization. I'm still pitching fights in front of my head. People that I want to fight, why am I running this? And then I start thinking like, what are they doing? Are they running or training as hard as me? Are they pushing? And that's what's motivating me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the power, the, the power of visualization. I'm sure I've done some research on it. Like you visualizing yourself taking a penalty kick, for example, in football, is just a, just it's two thirds as powerful as, as it would be actually take, taking the penalty, yeah. actually practicing it. So exactly, it's there's, 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 there's some things you can actually you can actually mimic. So if you're like training, even in like a a, a field situation, you're at training that night and you're just taking three kicks. You can't physically prepare the emotion, whereas visualization can, because okay. you you can visualize it, you can uh, bring in the senses of like what it feels like, what it hears, what the sound is, mm-hmm. what 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 your body's doing emotional wise. And um, so I think visualization, as you're saying, it's it's, it's a tremendous uh, tool to utilize. I think it's also important, but like using techniques like this, it's not just a case of doing it once; it's actually practicing it consistently and learning and teaching your body how it's like meditation as well. Like a lot of people give that up after maybe one or two times because they they maybe don't see a benefit from it, but it's not it's not like an immediate oh, thing that you're going to get. You need to practice it. As, as we said earlier, it's the same as everything. Be it like hmm. a punch. If you just do it once, it, it's, it's it's going to be very very limited. The muscles yep. aren't going to work that well. They're going to be hindering each other. The slow contraction, the fast contraction, all this kind of stuff. The two of them will work in sync. Whereas you constantly keep practicing that, and you're practicing bringing that shoulder out, covering the jaw, rotation of the wrist, all this kind of stuff, then becomes a lot easier. And yep. it means when it comes to real life situations, it becomes like a second nature to you. Yeah, brilliant. And that leads us really nicely into the next question. 
uh, about the, the senses you were speaking about there. Another factor we want to ask you about is the social factor. So the one we want to find out about is how the impact of the crowd and an atmosphere might affect your performance positively or negatively. Um, I, I've, got, I've got a great story about that. So I had went to Brazil recently, that was the last fight I had, and they sing this song and um, everybody always asks you about it. And it's like, die, I don't know what it is, but they sing it. And I'm talking, this place is packed and everybody's singing it. But it doesn't have that effect because I don't understand Portuguese, even though mm-hmm. I know what the song is. Mm-hmm. Where, as I'm about to walk out, and I'll see if I can find it, there's a great video. I'm about to walk out and this guy shouts, you're going to die, Paul Cray! And look, because, <laughs> it's, because it's this English spoken word that I hear as I'm about to walk out, that is more an impact than them singing this whole thing. Um, what I'll do is I'll send it to you to show the kids it, mm-hmm. um, but it, it's just this, because I understand English, when you go to places like Brazil or Mexico City, there's this language barrier, so it doesn't have as much effect, but when you go to your hometown and everybody wants to back you, the crowd emotionally crushed me. And it's the, almost the, because the you've rest, got that connection, isn't it? You've got that connection, yeah, that love, but as you've not really got the connection. Your family's in the crowd, like my mum's mm-hmm. never seen me fight, my mum and my dad, and they both came to watch me. Um, my partner was the same. She came to all my early day pro fights. Hadn't seen me in the UFC. It came to Glasgow, and everybody like I have never felt this electricity within my body before. It was like undescribable. Um, and I remember as Bruce Buffer, the commentator, uh, the ring announcer, was shouting my name. I couldn't even hear him because it was so noisy. And it, and, it, and it's I've got a great analogy of that. Like the that can either fuel you, and if you add too much fuel to your fire, it'll just burn up. I burn up all that energy you had, and that's exactly what it done to me. I'd never experienced it. And we spoke about that visualization. I'd never visualized that because I've always went to places like so fighting in, fought in Ireland, uh, fought in Birmingham, Vegas, uh, Sacramento, and London. But I'd never been the Glasgow guy. I'd never been him at this point. Mm-hmm. So I fought in all these places. I'd never been the the guy I'm batting, the whole place is batting. I got to Glasgow, man, and it just, the fire just ripped right into me, burned up everything I had. And I was so nervous. I, I felt, and there's this added pressure as well where you have to perform. I always feel always have to perform, but I put more pressure on myself because it was my hometown and people yeah. hadn't seen me. People, people I know had paid good quality money to come and see me. And it, 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 it burned me up. So the emotion got to me that time. I then went and fought in London where it was more controlled. Um, still emotional. I felt like I could, like, at that point of walking out with all this, my, my fourth fight, as I would spoke about earlier, all this emotion was just sitting there on my shoulder. And I felt like I could cry. Like, the song means so much to me because like, I walk out. I can't listen to the songs that I walk out to because they have an emotional connection to fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I can't listen to them. And I remember walking out and this song just really killed me. Have to take yourself, have to get yourself back in. And uh, George St. Pierre does this amazing thing. He's like one of the best uh, MMA fighters in the world. And mm-hmm. to bring himself back to reality, even though he's in this uh, uh, arena with all these people cheering, what he does is he squeezes his nipples. <laughs> and the fight squeezes his nipples, the pain responds, and it's something that's like, it, it's like, it shouldn't be there, but he does it just to try to focus himself, like he's ready. Uh-huh. I don't think of this anymore. 
because ultimately when that cage closes, you can't hear anything. It becomes so silent. It just becomes you and him. Mm-hmm. Whereas that walkout is horrible. And visualization again has been a massive, uh, a massive benefit to that. We never practice. We practice the jab. We practice the sparring. We practice everything else. We don't practice that walk. Yeah. So to relive that and close my eyes and visualize and listen to the music and listen to the crowd is a great way. And it showed right. in my last few fights dealing with a working with a sports psychologist to say like going to as I'm saying, like Brazil and not showing emotion and feeling so relaxed and just feeling, it, it, was, it felt so natural and the same with Brazil. I was scared, in, uh, not in Brazil, in Mexico, I was scared because I'd been worried about the altitude because yeah. I'd slept, I'd slept like eight weeks in that oxygen tent and I felt horrible doing it. My training suffered massively because I didn't have the oxygen within my blood. My oxygen saturation was like down at 87%. But it should be like a hundred percent. So I was worried about getting in there, and I was scared because I felt like, oh my god, what if I, what what if this really burns me up? And it didn't. It, it, it felt fine because I've done all the pre work leading into it. I think it's it's brilliant to see how much like from the start, how much you've added to your game as you've got to where you are today. Like it's just yeah. like a constant like learning process, and you can actually physically see that from what you've been doing. It's just fascinating to see. You, you can see it in like my, my appearance as well, how I look, how I move, how I talk, how I conditionally I look, how conditionally you see me as, as a fighter, mm-hmm. negatively or positively, the way the movement, movement, like I'm a different fighter now, and it is all these wee things as you're saying, like you add a wee bit every single day, yeah. the same way school is, to become, to become fluent in French, every time you go to that class you learn a wee bit, a wee bit, a wee bit, a wee bit, until yeah. you become to a point where, like, is French a subject I want to take? Right, I'm then going to do it as my, my mm-hmm. higher and my advanced higher, and then I'm then going to go into co- uh, college, university to learn about this. And yeah. then by the time you get to the end of your fourth year university, you're, 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 you're well versed in doing all that kind of stuff. And if you imagine that's my process, yeah, I've started here when I first started the MMA, and I'm trying to get to the end of my university with MMA. And it's not also right. linear. It's not also linear either. It's kind of up and down, and it's just it's, oh, definitely. It's, it's brilliant. It's all the progress yeah. in it each day, as you said, just make that wee bit of progress every day. It's real. So right. So my next my next question for you, and these are kind of this one's looking away from maybe the training side of things. How has a failure or an apparent failure set you up for later success? Do you have a favourite failure? Um, has to be getting knocked out in Glasgow. Right. Ha- has to be um, just because um, it, 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 I'll tell you the story. It, it, it does actually appear quite funny, but ultimately it led me to the point where like, I then didn't become worried about getting knocked out mm-hmm. because I experienced it. And the only way, because you, you worry, because I'd been told this opponent I was fighting, Khalil Roundtree. He was heavy-handed. He knocked out Anderson Silva during a training sparring session. He's knocked out all the people he's fought against. When people start telling you that, remember what I said about like why I don't look any fighters? Because mm-hmm. people then start feeding you. He's always oh, see you have his left hand or you have his right hand. You're going out. You're going out. You're going out. That fear had then set in. And when it came to fight, I couldn't perform due to all the limiting factors. Mm-hmm. Be it out with the gym, be it in the arena, be it my training be it him as a good opponent, be it his fear of his right or left hook, ready to take my head off, resulting in me being knocked out. After that happened, it, it felt like a weight had been lifted off his shoulders. Yeah. I can get knocked out. Of course I can. I'm going up against 100 kilogram guys 
who are the best in the world. Of course, there's an opportunity to get knocked out. There's an opportunity to get kicked in the face. And I think once you kind of realise that, like stuff can happen. Mm-hmm. The same as if you're a football team, you can lose. You can get hurt playing football. I think once you realise that, everything becomes a little bit easier. And it took, at the time, if you'd asked me, I would have said that's the worst thing that could have happened to me getting knocked out there. But I think all the factors leading to that point made me a better fighter because then speaking through it with my uh, psychologist made it so much easier. It made it, it made it seem less of a, a worry going into pre uh, fights later on. It's almost like that analogy, like you learn you learn a paragraph for a defeat and you learn a sentence for a victory. Sounds as mm-hmm. if you've mm-hmm. learned like, a lot from mm-hmm. that experience. People don't look at their like so people don't look back enough their victories and being like very critical of it. They don't look back and they're like, oh, this is wrong and this is wrong and this is wrong. They look back and they're like, oh, yeah. this was great. Did you see that wee jab I done? Or mm-hmm. did you see that? Whereas if you look back with that negative, like, oh, look at my footwork. Cool. Footwork's really bad in that. Mm-hmm. I know, but it's hard to yeah. do. It's hard to be critical. It it it's even hard, like, see when there's days when my coach is being critical on my performance that day. I, I hate it. Paul, lift your elbow a bit. Paul, listen, your feet are flat. Come on, move. And he's, he's, he's trying to coach me and he's trying to improve me. And there's days where I like I'll leave the gym and I'll be like, feel horrible, man. I've just had a really bad day. But that negative has it has to be pointed out, um, but it has to be pointed out in a, a specific way so it's not detrimental to your, mm-hmm. your development. Yep. Right. Final thing. Have you got? I, I guess we are interested as well as probably everybody else listening. Have you got anything else in the pipeline lined up for the future? Well, um, the, the UFC are running this Bite Island. Um, I'm not sure if you're aware of it. So I've heard of it. Pretty much. Yep, is pretty much the UFC fight? is done. Well, he is. This, this was released last night, was it? Like earlier. So anyway, the UFC, so the UFC have many facilities within the world. They've run four shows uh, in lockdown under no crowd. Yep. Um, and they've been successful, made a lot of money for the UFC. So we had this experience watching that, but... It is, it's the, the emotional side it's going. So it's like uh, a hard span session within a gym. Because um, I thought they were going to, I thought they would have played some music or something, you uh-huh. know, maybe a wee bit more upbeat. You can hear every bit of panting and every punch that can hit, it just sounds... I know, it's, it's, it's not a great experience, but I'm glad they're doing it because um, I think progressively sport is a way for people to... Re- like it's a release for people and I think having that as an option is great and even yeah. having the uh, Bundesliga uh, back in running as well mm-hmm. even um, if they have getting cardboard cutouts of fans <laughs> I know it's weird <laughs> it's, it's bonkers man but this, this is what we need to do we need to try and come up with ways that it, like, so the UFC have decided listen we're going to run these events but we, can only, we can't bring in European fighters we can't bring MD the rest of the world into America because then there's a chance of spreading the disease mm-hmm. um, or the <clears throat> virus. So they had these shows in Florida. They're now moving them to Vegas because they've got all these, they've got all this infrastructure here. For the European fighters, they're looking at and the, the UFC boss Dana White had come out and run a big press conference with all the fighters, pretty much the same way as this. All the fighters were there. We got to ask the boss some questions, and he's like, "Listen." I'm running a fight island. We've, we've got the infrastructure there. Uh, everybody's really, everybody's willing to support us. The president of America is willing to support us. So we're going to run this and um, we're going to have these all fighting on it. So I have asked many times, like, can I fight in this? That's why I'm training hard because I'm like, 
I only get I only be offered a fight within a month, and I'm not physical peak in my condition. I'm like, I can get there. Um, so I have asked. I've asked for uh, my opponent Johnny Walker. I was made to fight Ryan Spann in London at the start of March, which obviously was cancelled due to the travel ban and all this kind of stuff. So that mm-hmm. never happened. Ryan Spann then fought recently uh, in the the Florida show. And so I don't reckon I'm going to have him. So we asked for Johnny Walker, who's like in a massive tear recently, and hopefully get him. Big six foot five opponent just swings uh-huh. wild mallets, and if he gets caught, you know, a good chance he takes your head off. And <laughs> if there was a if there was a crowd member who would catch it, but uh-huh. I, think he, I think he can be beat with uh, control and proper technique. I think yeah. because he's so wild, he'll gas himself out, and I think that. By being a well-rounded fighter, I'll be able to take him into the deep water and, and pick him apart. That's Aye. that's what I'll, that's what I'd like to see. Uh, I would also love the, the rematch again with Shogun Hoover with a proper fight camp. I'd take that thing two weeks' notice. Aye, I know that's. Of, I wanted to. I wanted to, to share that as well. Yep. So my my first week was getting spam, feeling how I was. Mm-hmm. Uh, I ended up busting my eye. Like I was leaving, my eye split the. Friday and I left for Brazil on the Monday. Like literally, you could see the bone right there. Mm-hmm. Just a sparring boxing session. I went to shoot in, bump, and get hit with a punch and just split my eye wide open. Get, uh, like five stitches. I had to wear a hat the full time I was in Brazil. If you look back at any media kind of stuff, I got mm-hmm. a baseball cap on the full time. Uh, took the hat off, got the stitches removed. But I didn't tell the UFC. Because I was like, I'm never going to get an opportunity to fight Shogun Hua again. Uh-huh. Be it two weeks notice or not, I'm like, I'm taking this fight. This is like, he's like a legend within the sport. He is an absolute veteran, isn't he? Like, that's he amazing is. that you've had he, that experience. I can remember playing the UFC game on, um, I think it was a PS2 at this point, maybe. And he was he was like the in the first game. The death touch. And he right. had the, and it was a flying knee. I think he did. The fly, it was, with, was Chuck, with Chuck Liddell in that as well. Chuck Liddell aye, had like aye, the, aye, the, the Superman punch. And then, he, um, <laughs> so for him that's watching MMA, he's a guy at the forefront. He came from the Japanese uh, pride and then he came to the UFC and been the world champion. And he's still very, very dangerous. Mm-hmm. Opponent who beat me in my second fight in the UFC, he beat him. And like doing like UFC maths, there's, there's this is a thing where it's like he beat him, but he beat him and oh, aye, no, aye. he should beat him. Like UFC maths doesn't, doesn't work out. So no, just take kind of. I felt I won that fight um, in Brazil. You're, you're very unlikely to get that nod fighting against a legend. And the fact that we, this is, this is quite funny, we were told not to go out. Like, this this was this was the official line we were told. Listen, you can go out if you want. Go about and see, the, uh, see South Paulo if you want. I wouldn't, yeah, <laughs> um, just because people harass you. And we were like, Fuck, it's not going to be that bad. So we went out and we were just going to grab a coffee this morning. And I'm talking a woman probably, I'm going to say 60, like between the ages of 60 and 70, no joke, started pointing at me and saying something in Brazil. And she drew attention to me. And then other people started looking around and it just got really hostile. Nobody done, said, or came up to us anything like that kind. Just this old woman pointing at us. No <laughs> idea why. And then after that point, we, we, didn't, we didn't leave the hotel. Yeah. And we stayed inside the hotel, ate in the hotel. And just to kind of make sure that we weren't going to get into any, any, any issues. Yeah, uh, another funny story about travelling as well, we went to Mexico City and we nearly got uh, 
we nearly get jumped. So obviously Mexico City, <laughs> there's, there's, there's very, very nice parts of Mexico City who are very, very rich and very, very well off and in, in comparison to very, very poor ends of uh, Mexico City, um, which is called the uh, Dog Torres, I'm sure it's called. And we happened to be out this night and it was the latest we'd ever been out. We've, been, we've got these wee scooters and we're flying about in this car and it's flying up next days. Start speaking uh, Spanish to us. And I'm, I go, listen, I'm sorry, I can't understand you. The car has four men in it. And uh, then it's trying to like, like cut us off. And we're in these wee, like, you know, like electric scooters. And we're trying to like get away from them. And uh, then he starts speaking to his English, telling us to pull over. And my coach, it's just uh, two years, me and my coach, and he's like, keep going, Paul. So we're like, we're like flying down the street and just by <laughs> luck. The police were like 100 yards up the road as we get away from them. And they seen them, they just sped away. Or we were uh, we were getting kidnapped. Um, it's hard. And what it's happened crazy. was, um, I Mexico's a dodgy uh, place, man. Yeah, like people, some parts people of don't it. Realize, like, yeah, I know, and it's and, and it's understandable if you put people in uh, really bad poverty, then they, they they'll do anything to survive, be it robbing or being kidnapped to make any kind of money. Madness. Right. So at the end of every podcast episode, we finish with a quick fire round. So it's three questions, yep. just quick fire, and then we'll do a key takeaway message from the guest and from myself and Lewis based on your your amazing responses today. Um, so the first quick fire of the quick, uh, first one for the quick fire round is: if you could have a giant billboard in your hometown in Airdrie, what would it say? Uh, it has to be the Jim's motto of hard work beats talent. It's as simple as that. Um, you don't have to be the most talented, but if you work hard. Uh, it beats talent every single day of the week no matter what it is guys like Messi guys like Ronaldo are talented but by god do these guys work mm-hmm. you don't get anywhere in life without work so for me it'd be hard work beats talent and I'd be pitching me that <laughs> <laughs> I know it's almost like hard work get, uh, gets you into the, um, like talent gets you into the room but hard work keeps you there yes and I think, I think the whole thing I think the whole, the, the actual, our, our line is, we, it's, it's, a, it's a saying, and it's hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But we just like hard work beats talent because, like, you can be as talented as you want, but if you're not hard working, you're not going to get anywhere in life. So hard work right. beats talent when talent doesn't work hard is a full thing, but just hard work beats talent. Brilliant. Okay. I've, heard, I've heard you saying in some of your interviews uh, for the USC, it's all about performance, elite performance. Can you name the three most important factors to elite performance in your opinion? Um, definitely nutrition. Um, without the nutrition, you've not got the actual physical capability to do it. Uh, hard work again, like putting in the hours. Uh, mm-hmm. Another cons, another one. Um, team, teamwork. Teamwork, although this isn't a yeah. uh, team sport, it's very much a team sport. Uh, yep. Come out with the fight, it's very, very much teamwork. So nutrition, hard work, and uh, team. Superb. So what advice would you give to a youngster looking to make their way in a sport they play and are passionate about to ensure that they persist through the tough points in careers mm. or development? Uh, it's, it's, it's to do more than the, the guy standing next to you. The guy you want to be, the best guy in the team, just do more than him. Um, I don't know, I'm, I'm assuming you've watched uh, Michael Jordan's Last Dance. Just finished uh, it. That's that uh, absolutely tremendous. And you know what? The fact that he dragged everybody with him, like guys were like, and I know some people may have seen him as being coming across as being quite bullish or brash, 
but I like the fact that he's like, no, no, you're, I'm holding you to my standards. I thought that was amazing. Yeah. And that's, for, for me, I, that, that's a massive thing for me. He just understood, didn't he? Like, he understood what it takes. Like, mm-hmm. That's like one of a kind. That, that mindset is just... I know. Fascinating. You think how much that guy had to sacrifice to get to where he was. Exactly. Uh, and we all, we're all, we all do the same. Like the, I said earlier, like one of the things that uses me as a motivational factor is the fact that I can give my kids, be it holidays or be it toys or be it anything, be it very, very simple things. Um, and the reason I do that is because the sacrifice that they have to put up, I sacrifice time with them and they mm-hmm. sacrifice their dad so that their dad can be a professional athlete. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's, it's a sacrifice is a massive thing yep okay so for every episode we have a key takeaway message for the listeners and out of respect we'll start with the guest so Paul what is your key takeaway message for the listeners I think I'm going to tag on the last part of that as well and it's um, sacrifice the, the right things to get you where you want to get to um, and, and, it, and it's, it's been throughout this it's like what do you want in life if like you've got an opportunity to be anything. You want to be a ballet dancer and you've never ballet danced before, then go out and do it. You want mm-hmm. to be you want to do something that's out with your character, go and do it. It doesn't matter. Like the world's your oyster. I, I I bring it back to the point of high school. I wasn't the coolest guy. I wasn't the most athletic. I probably wasn't the most liked, but um I think it shapes you in such a way that it's such a small part of your life. Like six years at high school, a small part mm-hmm. of your life. To, to be anything you want the rest of your life where you don't have to decide right now. And I know we, as you as a specialist educators, put a fair but you need to decide. You just try to steer kids down the right route. And I wish I had that myself, like having an adult steering me down the right route of like, listen, Paul, you've got opportunities here, 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 and here. Let's see if we can develop them. Um, and I wish I had had that a lot sooner because who knows what the world could have, could have brought for me. So, no, I love that. And sacrifice, hard work, and 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 then just do your best, no matter what it is you're going to do. Even if you don't enjoy it, just do your best. Mm-hmm. Love that. Well done. Brilliant. Brilliant. Superb. Lewis, what's your key takeaway message this episode? I've got a page here of takeaway messages, but it's, <laughs> it's, 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 hard, to, it's hard to pick one. Um, I liked when you, you, you what you spoke about at the start, how you weren't really open to talking about your personal life and that with the pupils, but from what it seems, that is... For me, if my teacher, if that, if my teacher was like fighting at that level or was like a top athlete in their sport, and they were sharing that with me, that would be so like so inspiring. Like it shows it shows you now that they still get in touch with you. Cause that just shows you the impact that you've that you've yeah. had, and uh, I think that's brilliant. I think it's it's important to share your your successes and your stories with people because you never know the impact that it's actually going to have on them and make them that I know, even, even, what they do. even the even the detrimental impacts that stuff's had in my life like bringing that up as well like <clears throat> hopefully somebody will be like right well that's happened to me and I feel like I feel like we're in a really really bad place but hopefully that can like seeing that everybody goes through these kind of things can push them mm. as well be it mm-hmm. having knockdowns in sport brilliant man right Clark what's your what's your uh, key takeaway message I've got a few here myself as well so I'm going to need to pick the one where Paul said uh he was teaching at the time, he was doing a bit of coaching and working with the disadvantaged, disadvantaged kids and he eventually took the opportunity to kind of go down the MMA route. But he, had, he, was, he was glad that he did because if he had looked back, he might have asked himself, what if? And I think that's an important question to ask yourself, you know, what if, what if I don't try it? I'm never going to know. So you need to go really go out there and go and find it for yourself. 
And as he said, there's a it's a six years of your life and in school, and there's a, it's a long it's a long road ahead. So you need to be patient as well. There's a lot of time out there. It's more time than what you think. I know, and see for people who don't like school, like it's, a, it's such a vital part of life. It's how you you might not learn academically, but you learn how to deal with people. You learn how to communicate. You learn basic soft core skills of how to how to interact within this world because sitting in your house, sitting on your phone doesn't cut it. Like yeah. I've got a daughter and she's uh, she's fourteen and the exact same kind of thing. Trying to inspire her is is, is, is hard enough. Um, and trying to find a uh, like these skills to improve her as a as a person. And the only way you can get them is in, in school. Knowing mm-hmm. that if I say something to this guy that he's he's going to give me a biffing is it is is a, is a great way of learning uh, how to control these urges of being uh, like just shouting out and, and, and being mm-hmm. quite brash to people. I think school and everybody, every adult will tell you the exact same thing. Oh, I wish I'd stuck in at school, or I wish I could go back to doing school. Like I don't, because everything, everything, everything that happened in school happened in my my life before I became in the world MMA. Made me. I wouldn't want to redo that again. Yeah. Like, I loved. I loved the interaction with all the friends and that I had at school. Uh, and even in life, I love all that, but I wouldn't redo it again because it set me where I am today. And if there's people out there who are like absolutely hating life, then then you're the only person that can that can change that. Yeah, go, and, exactly. go and do something differently. Go and do something about it. Get off your iPhone and stop watching YouTube or mm-hmm. like listen to this this podcast. Like do something that's actually going to benefit you rather than listening to a guy who's spending a quarter of a million pounds to do some stupid task. Yeah, find something that, yeah. that inspires you. I think that's um, a brilliant message to to wrap up today's episode. Even if it did take three Zoom calls, because we're cheap. <laughs> we only have the listen. we only have the basic <laughs> version. <laughs> I know. Listen, see the amount, see the amount of times, see the amount of times where like uh, I've, I've done some media for people and we've been like, right, Paul, we need to kind of. Can you just give us like a like a small paragraph? I'm not looking for the, like that, for the story. Mate, we like that. It's brilliant. It's more interesting. So thanks again, Paul, for Thanks for coming on. For coming on today. No, guys, it's been an absolute pleasure, man. Thanks again, everybody, for listening to the podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as we did and that you took something from it. It really is amazing speaking to all these different athletes and getting an insight into their sport and their training routines. If you're interested, you can keep up with Paul through Instagram or Twitter to find out when he'll next be fighting in the UFC. We already alluded to this earlier, saying that he was... um, he had these ambitions of going to, to fight Ireland, the new thing that the UFC have got up and running to, to deal with the, the coronavirus pandemic. So if you're looking for more info on that, I'm sure he'll be posting that on his social media. As always, we would really um, appreciate it if you could share the podcast on your social media pages and give us a wee review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, as this will help others um, see what we're all about and whether other people have enjoyed the podcast. We hope you have a great week and keep your eye out for the next episode of A Wee Bit of Everything. Take care.